Welcome to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. Thanks for joining us today as we continue wrapping up our series on The End Times Prophecies. Here's Ray. Hi, I'm Ray Sturdivant. We're studying The End Times, and today I have my good friend John Lay and Danny Jacobs. Welcome, <laughs> fellas. Thank you, Ray. Good are here. So we are taking a look at uh, our study of end times, and as you recall, we uh, developed a concept that went all the way back to the birth of Ishmael and Isaac. Mm-hmm. And Abraham's so, time, of course. Abraham's time. <laughs> and they, they couldn't have done it without him. <laughs> That's right. And no so uh, we developed a concept that Isaac was born according to promise, Ishmael according to flesh, mm. since Abraham and Sarah were trying to accomplish God's promise based on their own system of working this out, mm-hmm. which is, a, you know, we equate that to our flesh. And we kind of get the terminology from a passage, a couple of passages in Galatians, and it starts uh, with Galatians 4.22, uh, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman, who was Hagar, and one by the free woman, which would be Sarah. But the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. And the son by the free woman through the promise. And then as we uh, jump down to verse 29, we see, But as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so it is now also. What do you guys think about that? Well, I think, first of all, that's a bold a bold statement that we see in Scripture and applies maybe throughout our life. And you pointed that out in your study. Ray, you said that this passage kind of makes a broader statement um, that anyone operating out of the flesh uh, is going to persecute anyone who is living out of the Spirit. Now, that kind of takes that verse and, you know, applies it to everything, not just in that time, but the end times, today, our lives. What did you, what did you mean by that? Well, I think we see it throughout Scripture, and I think we experience it personally. There's just a natural antagonism from someone who is striving in their flesh and someone who's walking by the Spirit. The the freedom you experience in the Spirit is just almost intolerable for someone bound up in their flesh. So, like, if I'm standing at the buffet line and my flesh, <laughs> just making it real. So, my spirit, you know, my flesh is saying, hey, I want, you know, two pieces of pie. Uh, is the spirit going to, you know, what's the spirit going to do there and how does that war play out? Well, see, I'll be walking by the spirit and I'll cut in front of you and eat broccoli and it'll make you mad. <laughs> okay. No, uh, I think that just the antagonism, you know, can be as simple as something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But taken to its extreme, you know, you end up with Cain and Abel. Mm. Uh, Cain was offering the works of his flesh, basically, to God, and it was unacceptable. And Abel offered the correct sacrifice God asked for, and it just really went to the extreme with Cain Mm. ending up killing Abel over it. So we see this antagonism. You know, the the Bible tells us that the flesh and the spirit are at war. Mm. And Mm. I think that is the ultimate... Uh, result of end times is we've got the seed of flesh uh, going after eventually the seed of promise. So, you know, in this passage you just read there in Galatians, um, it talks, I mean, Paul says it's sort of like an allegory about the new Jerusalem uh, above being free and then, I guess, being a a slave of the flesh. 
uh, we're you know it's not going to have anything to to do with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just seems like that whole theme applies all throughout the end times. It does. It does. Uh, it's just a principle that you know just plays out in life. I, I have a theory that. Uh, we can sense or read each other's spirit to mm. a degree. I mean, mm. not not certainly on the level that God can, but mm. there's just people that just have a natural dislike for you. Uh, <laughs> you in particular, John. No, just kidding. They're called Democrats. Just kidding. My yeah. mother-in-law is not listening. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think some of that has to do with this principle that, you know, when you're trying to follow Christ and you're trying to uh, walk by the Spirit and be obedient, mm-hmm. it uh, there's just an antagonism from people who are not. Uh, it's unexplainable other than that to me. Hence all the wars in the Middle East, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're not saying that Israel is completely following Christ today because mm-hmm. the majority of Israel is, you know, uh, a large percentage is actually atheistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a percentage of, of Jews who follow Jesus. But But Jews are the seed of promise, right? They they are as far as like the physical seed of promise Mm -hmm. because they will eventually turn to Christ in the end, and God has promises to be fulfilled uh, Mm -hmm. to Israel. So that's why they are the seed of promise. They all come out of the uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob line. And uh, Paul tells us that one day all of Israel will be saved. They will turn to Jesus Mm -hmm. uh, to come save them. Today I had a conversation with a, a man who actually lives in Jerusalem, hmm. and he said something that really stuck out to me. He said that in Jerusalem, it's almost like you can see physically the war that's going on in the heavens. Wow. So you've got this, you know, this war that's constantly going about, like, who's going to live on God's holy hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the ground, it's just the physical kind of the manifestation of it. So is that, I mean, could angels and demons be a part of that seed? Absolutely. I mean... Well, I don't think they're part of the seed. I think they are part... Well, I guess in a sense, mm-hmm. you could take it to that. Um, but they are, you know, we get a glimpse behind the scenes in certain books. You mm-hmm. know, if you remember uh, in Daniel 9, Daniel's prayer was not answered for 21 days. Right. And it was because the angel who was trying to deliver the answer to his prayer was held up or frustrated or detained, however mm-hmm. you want to word it. Yeah. He was in a fight with, it says, the prince of Persia, which is alluding to a demon mm-hmm. who has control of that wow. region. So I believe that our prayer life, how we function, all affects the spiritual realm. And I think there is regional control that demons have because of people living their mm-hmm. life in the flesh. Hmm. Uh, That's all the time we have for this segment. We'll take a break and get right back to this topic. You've been listening to Minding the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at mindingthetruth.com. Also, we'd like to ask that you take a minute and prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. And if God has prompted you to do so, just go to mindingthetruth.com and click donate. Thanks again for listening. Now back to Ray. Hey, it's Ray, John, and Danny back from the break. Uh, Any thoughts? Any more thoughts? Yeah, you know, I'd like to touch on the subject of the firstborn and what that meant culturally at that time and how that has shaped um, in your view, the whole end times story. Actually, it's a great point. I, I think it shapes it a lot. 
you know, mm-hmm. the term is mm-hmm. primogenitor, and it was a cultural uh, tradition where the firstborn received a double portion of the inheritance. So right. he got the, the bulk of what the, the father passed on. And if you think about Ishmael was the firstborn of Abraham, yet he did not receive the promise of the promised son because God viewed Isaac as the promise, the son of promise. So mm-hmm. Isaac is the one that received. Because of Hagar, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, it was because of Abraham trying to pull off what God had promised sure. through his flesh. Mm-hmm. And so through his own efforts, Ishmael is born. And so, you know, you think about where Ishmael's coming from. He's the firstborn. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. is he rejected as far as getting, receiving the inheritance the mm-hmm. way he should as the firstborn? So it created this bitterness and this tension that has built throughout history. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the land was what was promised to Abraham, and what is the whole Middle East battle about? It's mm-hmm. about the land. <laughs> that's right. So this whole idea of inheritance is that's what the whole end times is about, and it's what the struggle is about today. You know, they, uh, the Arabs want the Jews off the land. And so that would have been Ishmael's rightful inheritance you know, as the firstborn. Do they view it that way? Um, I don't know in the detail into which they go into the land and the inheritance part of it, but they definitely believe that Ishmael was Abraham's son of promise. You know, mm-hmm. in other words, when Abraham took a son They don't believe in to, the whole Hagar thing at all then, is it? No, they believe in, uh, they believe in uh, Hagar, but they, they believe the Bible has been distorted. And when Abraham took his son up to the mountain to sacrifice him, that was actually Ishmael. Oh, wow. So they also believe that uh, Mecca, the Cabal, is where Abraham and Ishmael traveled all the way to Mecca and built a altar to God and sacrificed to him there. So that's why the Hajj, the, the journey that, uh, that all... Uh, Muslims are required to take at least once in their life. You're following the steps of Abraham and Ishmael traveling to Mecca, to uh, to the Cabal. And obviously, all this is contained in prophecies from Genesis, correct? Well, the initial prophecy, you know, was that the uh, you know was a prof- prophecy about the seed of the woman, which was mm-hmm. Christ. And the seed of the serpent, which ends up being, you know, the end times uh, Antichrist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it talks about how Christ will crush his head, Mm -hmm. but Satan will bruise his heel. Bruising the heel was the crucifixion because it's not a fatal wound. Christ was resurrected. Christ actually kills and defeats the Antichrist. So that is a fatal wound, a crushing blow to the head. So that's where the prophecy starts. So let me ask you this. Did the Muslims and the Arabs, did they find what kind of evidence to completely contradict the Bible? I mean, is it something that Muhammad wrote when he was in the cave? or? Yeah, well, you know, Muhammad was actually uh, illiterate. He received revelations from mm-hmm. who he claimed was Gabriel. And it wasn't af- until after his death that all of his revelations were written down. And so that's the, that's the basis of the Quran. And anywhere the Quran contradicts the Bible, the Quran is correct in their view because Muhammad is the last great prophet of God. Hmm. So he is just correcting what 
Islam believes that the Jews and Christians have distorted the Bible. And so uh, the prophet Muhammad is bringing clarity to what uh, they believe it is is a distortion of the Bible. So like the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found that were written, you know, way before Christ even, those were distorted, huh? <laughs> so let me ask you a kind of a different question. You had just talked about the passage of Scripture that says that Christ will um, crush Satan's head and he will bruise Christ's heel. And you said that the bruising of the heel is referring to the cross. Well, let's talk about the crushing of Satan's head, the, the serpent's head. Is that like a physical crushing? When is, how does that take place? Is that the ultimate end times? Yeah, and Christ is said to stand on the Mount of Olives when he mm-hmm. wars against the Antichrist and his army. So it is a, it is a literal physical defeat. And the most decisive way to kill a serpent is by the head, right. blow to the head. I don't know if you've killed any <laughs> yes, serpents, I but I have, and <laughs> I'm planning half, and they still wiggle around. So, <laughs> right. you know, it's it's really uh, a a symbolic as well as literal defeat of Satan, and it's also a picture of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, if you remember in Daniel two, mm. where Christ is pictured as a rock that crushes the feet of the statue, which is the Antichrist army. And so, and Christ is always pictured throughout Scripture as a rock. So it's a great fitting uh, symbolism, but it's also literal. And uh, Christ wins in the end, which is a neat way to see from Genesis to Revelation this thread. There's a, there's a great book out called The Scarlet Thread. And it's, it, the concept is that Jesus is throughout the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, he is the thread that holds the Bible together. Well, that's uh, about all the time that we have today. Thanks, guys. And uh, we will pick this up next time. I'm Ray Sturdivant, Mining the Truth. Thanks for listening to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, email us right here at ray at miningthetruth.com. We welcome your comments and hope you'll join us next time for more of End Time Prophecies. 